Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zalmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Mallory Fox about mindfulness, movement, and making space. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out my Patreon page to help support my advocacy work and receive exclusive content from me each week. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Amy Zellmer. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zalmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and I'm author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. Save the date for March 16th. I will be hosting a virtual Brain Injury Awareness Day event. You can register for free at facesoftbi.com slash event. And while you're there, you can learn more about the podcast and myself at facesoftbi.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And I also invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Mallory Fox, and Dr. Fox is a native to Phoenix and a business owner of Foxy Fit, where she helps busy people make time for self-care through mindful movement. Mallory loves to use her educational background as a doctor of health science to bring evidence-based programming to her clients. She is also passionate about giving back to her community, learning new skills, and raising awareness about traumatic brain injury. After experiencing a TBI in 2018, Mallory's life changed completely. Today, she strives to help others foster resilience and increase understanding. Most importantly, to bring hope. One way that Dr. Mallory gives back to her community is through a free Mindful Minute texting service to help people incorporate one minute of mindfulness a day with the daily text to reduce stress and increase resilience. So welcome to the podcast, Mallory. I am so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. Um, This is really a dream come true. Anytime I can chat with someone who understands what it's like to to have a TBI and then share information and tools to help others. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yes. And so, Mallory, let's just start by talking a little bit about your background here. And so you have your Doctorate of Health Science. And at what point did you 
um, suffer your TBI? Was it during school, after school? Um, what was kind of the timeline of your injury? So I actually have, I believe, a few undiagnosed concussions <laughs> from, gro- from growing up <laughs> <laughs> in sports. Um, and yep. this was back when, you know, it was just a concussion. You know, they yeah. said, oh, you might have a concussion. Yeah. Um, the one that sticks out in my mind, you know, I was a competitive swimmer and I hit my head on the bottom of the pool mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the lifeguard checked me out and they said, okay, yeah, you can get back in and finish practice. And so I did. Um, <laughs> that one so fly I could, anymore, I don't think. <laughs> I, I would hope not. Um, that's mm-hmm. one reason why I'm so passionate about sharing this information. Um, but my, I call it my big TBI, the one that actually had me put the brakes on life for a little while, was after I'd finished grad school. Um, it was in August of 2018, and I was in a motor vehicle accident that didn't seem like it was going to be a huge deal at the time. I was able to walk away from the scene, um, but within about six hours, um, I got a headache that um, lasted for over 10 months. It, you know, had Mm, worsening. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, my my journey with like what I call my, my big TBI <laughs> was um, kind of like this maze of, I had a lot of, you know, I, I knew from what I'd study in school. I also knew because I work with athletes in my private practice. Um, so I kind of had an idea of what um, a normal recovery from concussion or TBI would look like. And then mine looked nothing like that. So mm-hmm. it was a a very challenging and um, um, puzzling journey. Mm-hmm. And then you were able to go back to school then and finish your doctorate. So I'd actually finished my doctorate in sorry twenty I think it was twenty fourteen. So I was oh, out okay. of school. Yeah, um, but I you know have my own business. Um, I had to take about four months completely off from my business um, and ultimately was able to go back, you know, to work for myself part-time, even though it looks different, the work that I do now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think that is one of the biggest points I like to try to make to people because, you know, in the beginning we often are grieving the loss of who we were And we struggle with our identity and we want to get back to who we were and doing the job that we had or whatever it was that we were doing um, to come to that level of acceptance of who we are now and look at the gifts we have now and what are we able to do moving forward. And, you know, like you said, it looks a little different for you, but you're still doing it, right? And you're still using your skills just in a different way. And, you know, that's how I look at what I do. I couldn't remember. I was a photographer. I couldn't remember how to use my camera. Um, That was terrifying. You know, I'd, I'd been a photographer for 20 years and I couldn't use my camera. Um, And, you know, I'm sure someone can relate to that just maybe with a different tool. Um, You know, so, so what was that like for you having to shift gears and, and kind of pivot your business? Mm. 
my whole world fell apart. Um, that's how it felt, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked the same. Um, right. But, you know, inside, in my brain, in my body, everything had changed. And you mentioned how, um, like, being a photographer, you couldn't remember how to use your camera. Um, I was a movement specialist. I mm-hmm. um, I stretched people for a living. I tracked their movement. I created plans to help people um, come back after physical therapy. And, you know, I was the person who always had the answers of, how to, you know, essentially fix their bodies. And I couldn't do that for myself. Um, I, I like to, to joke now, like I teach yoga, but I can't do a down dog anymore because of the mm-hmm. dizziness and tremor and, and everything that comes on from the inverting. So um, it was a really painful process. Um, and just who, who I am by nature, I'm pretty stubborn. I like to be right. Um, I tend to think that I can fix anything or solve any problem just by working harder. And what happened for me, Amy, was I, I was, my symptoms were getting worse and worse and worse as I continued that process of working harder, (laughs) trying all the things, um, and essentially just trying to force my brain to get better, um, I got to a breaking point where it was four months after my accident. I had given myself two weeks, you know, to recover. Like I took myself all right. back to work full time two weeks after. <laughs> There's probably a lot of people listening who have been through that same kind of um, mm-hmm. denial and bargaining. Um, so well, at it's that what point, what's, it's what we've learned too. Like on movies, people are yes. back to work like the next day. Yeah. And, you know, even my doctors had said, here's like the normal progression, like all brain injuries are different, but, you know, within this time frame. And so I had an expectation. And then when my recovery didn't meet that expectation, I didn't know what to do. Um, I had found out from seeing a specialist about 10 weeks after my accident that my eye had moved in the accident. And my brain had shut my other eye off to try to help me, um, you know, with eh, essentially movement and survival. So I found out I was legally blind in my left eye. Um, I was restricted from driving. There were all of these things that I just didn't have control over, even though I was going to vision therapy. I was doing physical therapy, occupational therapy, Um, psychotherapy, treatment for EMDR, all of these different things that I was doing to try to get my life back. And um, it just didn't happen in the time frame I wanted. So I got to the lowest point I've ever been in my life. And I had to have, like, I remember this moment just clear as day of, like, realizing that if I put all of my eggs in the basket of returning to who I was before the accident. Mm-hmm. Like I probably, you know, would, would never get there. And so I remember making that choice and I made a promise to myself and I eventually wrote it down um, that I would do whatever I had to do to embrace the person that I was becoming because mm-hmm. Pre-injury, yeah, like my whole identity was 
who I was, how much money I made, how many people I could help, um, you know, how many lectures I could give. And it was all about those achievements and that professional persona that I built for myself. And then what really came to me through the, the brain injury process was, you know, I'm not all of those things. Like, who I truly am is, like, you know, at my core. And I had to do a lot of digging to find it. Um, but that's what helped me to kind of rebuild my life and eventually, you know, pivot my business and, um, and find this new path. So I want to back up just a little bit to when you first had your accident. When, so you were, you know, you'd already been through your doctor program and everything in, in health sciences. Had you learned anything about concussion and aside from like through the athletes you worked with, um, like in your actual textbook training, had you learned anything about it? And if so, did it at all jive with what you were going through? That's such a great question. Um, so my master's program, I have a master's of science in human movement. So I did study TBI, concussion, sport-related injuries in grad school in my master's program. Um, I wrote a paper on CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Um, and, you know, I studied it in like a very, um, gosh, <laughs> what do I want to say here? Sometimes I still lose my words. Mm, um, I get that. <laughs> but when, you know, when you study in a textbook, it's very different from how it mm -hmm. shows up in real life. So even though I knew mm -hmm. that every concussion and every brain injury is different, when I experienced it, I didn't necessarily make that jump. Um, I remember being at the scene of the accident and you know, knowing that I didn't feel right, I figured it was probably that I was in shock. It was a very stressful morning um, with the whole accident thing. Um, and I remember giving myself, like, a concussion test <laughs> and knowing that the protocol for a concussion is, you know, to basically take it fairly easy for a couple of weeks and not exacerbate symptoms. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I kind of in the back of my mind was pulling in my knowledge and like, yeah, I might, I might have a concussion again, like in my mind, you know, just a concussion, not a huge deal, you know, <laughs> put a bandaid on my brain and maybe take it easy for a couple of weeks. Um, but you know, to answer your question about, you know, if I'd studied, if I'd had experience, I understood what it was. I knew what it meant. Um, I kind of knew the signs um, and how a typical recovery might go. But I truly had not, um, even though I know that your brain controls everything, and I know a lot of detail about how your brain controls everything, I didn't make that leap to, oh, if my brain is hurt, it's kind of like, if I broke my leg and then tried to run a marathon the next day, like I didn't realize that <laughs> when you have a concussion, you're essentially trying to run a marathon on your broken leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great analogy. <laughs> I'm kind of laughing to myself as I think it, because it's like, I don't know. It's that, 
that interesting disconnect. It also helped me, though, to realize, like, if I, as a professional, could understand what a concussion was and how it could affect the whole body, how could I, and yet still not fully understand when it showed up in my life, how could I expect the people around me Mm -hmm. to to understand what I was going through. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting. Like you said, you learned in the textbook, but textbook and practical aren't the same thing, right? And the lived Mm -hmm. experience of it. And, you know, I'm sure that's helped you to become a, a better practitioner in, in general, not even just with TBI patients. Um, I know for me, I have learned so much more patience and compassion than I had before. Um, Just, you know, from having been through what I went through and, you know, it's, it does, it changes you, but I feel like, you know, I feel like we all have changed for the better. And I think some people would argue with me because they're still stuck in that hurt and angry phase of acceptance. Um, But I feel like we're all better people because of what we've been through um, and the journey that it's taken us on. So Mallory, what, what did you, how did you finally started to feel better? You know, you talked about, you had 10 months of this horrible headache that just kept, kept getting worse. Um, what did you finally find Um, for relief? What finally helped you or maybe what providers finally helped you? What, what did that part of the journey look like? Ooh, you ask such good questions. (laughs) (laughs) I know Um, what people want to know. (laughs) Yeah. Cause this is what I got to. I truly tried everything. You know, if someone said craniosacral therapy could help, I tried it. Um, acupuncture, massage, you know, every single thing, every medication that my doctor recommended, every type of therapy, every type of test. Um, I like to joke that I now also have a PhD in um, being a TBI patient because I would literally try everything. And this is not the answer that people want to hear. And it's an answer that I even hate saying, but what, made the difference for me was when I started allowing myself to rest. Uh And it's not like lie down in a dark room and, you know, wait the moments away. It was like real deep rest, like allowing myself to rest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like allowing myself to um, choose to, take a break after lunch. Um, The difference maker, the very first day I didn't have a migraine, 10 months after my accident, it was June of 2019. And my husband and I um, have um, a timeshare in San Diego, right by the beach. And so we were in San Diego. Um, He got sick and before, before my accident, I was go, go, go 24-7. My husband is also. We had a very active, very full life. Um, so he had a lot of trouble adapting to my new pace. And 
I, I feel like this was a blessing in disguise that he got very sick on our trip because it forced both of us to completely stop everything we're doing. Like he didn't leave our condo for probably four days. And the second day that he was ill, I remember waking up and just kind of not really understanding what was happening because I didn't have head pain. Oh. And it was such a weird, like, I was like, wait a second. I know what it is. Like, I can think a little bit more clearly, like this cloud had lifted off of my head. Um, you know, I'd cleared, I had nothing on the calendar. I didn't bring work with me. Like I had just given myself that full day. I didn't have expectations, you know, from my partner of going to breakfast or taking a walk on the beach or whatever. Like I really just had that full permission to rest and not be productive, not be working towards my recovery. Um, And it made a huge difference. It taught me how to take what I learned on vacation and address the rest of my life because I, you know, I thought and I learned this in school and I learned this just as a productive human. Like you should always be working towards, you know, something, And when I took that goal away of working towards it and started focusing on just experiencing what it was like to be in my body each day, that for me was the change maker. You know, I think this is such an interesting answer because I think the vast majority of us don't, we want the quick answer. Um, mm-hmm. whether it's the magic pill or the magic t- doctor, right? Um, I see people in my group all the time. Like I've been to this doctor. I went to this doctor. I went to this doctor. You know, like they've been to like a hundred doctors and yeah. they think that they're doing the right thing and, and they think that they're resting. And I have a good friend who I'm particularly thinking of. She does. She sleeps a lot, but sleep doesn't equal mm-hmm. rest. Right. Mm -hmm. And sleep is sleep. We all need sleep, but like active rest. Right. And just learning how to pace ourselves. And I know for me, that was really hard because I was probably a lot like you. You know, I ran a photography studio. I was very active. I Mm -hmm. had friends. I was very social. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, to have to learn how to pace yourself and you know, I just, I see people often in the group, like I've tried this doctor, I've been to this doctor and it's like, maybe you just need to take a break from doctoring for a little bit. And I'm not saying permanently, I'm just saying like, let's, let's try something else here. Like, you know, like what you've just suggested, like this, this very intentional rest, um, and learning how to let go of those expectations of, well, I need to do this and I need to do that and I need to go here and I need to buy this today. And, um, you know, we just get so caught up in our daily lives and we're trying to get back to a sense of normalcy, but the reality is that our body can't quite handle that yet. And we need to (laughs) slow it down, switch gears And I know that can be really hard. And then, like you said, if you have a spouse 
who's used to a certain speed of life <laughs> or, you know, if you have kids, like I, I just, I feel for people who have children because um, you do, you have to take care of them, right? There's no, there's no getting around that. Um, especially if they're mm-hmm. little um, and, you know, you're trying to take care of yourself while taking care of your kids. So um, it is, it's a really complicated balance of how, how do we, how do we do this act of rest? Um, and I believe that's, that's what you try to help your clients with now, right? That's, that's what you try to help teach them um, and help them on their path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had, you had so many beautiful things you said in there. Um, <laughs> and, and it's interesting, like you can, I can just tell when someone's experienced what I have. You know, there's that, like, unspoken, like, we get it. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, like, getting to that point where I was, I had to transform my relationship with, um, with myself. Um, yeah. What it, what it came down to, because, I mean, everyone, I had created this life for myself where everyone depended on me for something. And everyone um, expected me to deliver it you know, as I always had, like immediately and very well done. Um, What was very interesting that I found is like for my husband, for example, he couldn't read my mind and know like when I had, you know, a a blinding headache or when I was Mm -hmm. so dizzy that I couldn't even keep my eyes open. Like he couldn't read my mind and know, like I needed to be able to tell him that I needed a moment or I needed a day or I needed him to take care of what he was asking. Um, I think that was like the first thing was being able to verbalize what I needed. But what I had to do first was realize what I needed. Um, and that that's what led me to like helping others to realize that for themselves. Um, as, you know, someone who's experienced a TBI, yeah, when I went to each specialist, each therapist, each doctor, I thought that they would tell me, do X, Y, mm-hmm. and, and you'll be yourself again. Um, <laughs> what really sucks about, you know, brain injury recovery is you can have all these tools, but ultimately you are the one implementing them each day and you are the one communicating your needs and what's going on each day and what I found is that I didn't know how to do that myself I could look at somebody else and tell them okay do x y and z but I didn't know how to look at myself and tell myself what I needed Um, I was very disconnected from myself I know I was focused on completing my checklist, getting my tasks done, being the perfect patient, all of these things. Um, But what it came down to, like, you know, what I truly needed to know was that feedback of, like, how, um, what I needed moment to moment, like, because my symptoms would just, like, flare, and it felt like out of nowhere. But what I learned from giving myself rest was 
oh, there are these little indicators that something's coming. Like if we were at, um, you know, before COVID, if we were out at a restaurant and I would suddenly have trouble tracking like what my husband was saying, what I could do in that moment was excuse myself and go outside and take a couple deep breaths and kind of ground myself back into the moment because my brain was getting exhausted from, you know, other conversations, from movement, from light, from, you know, all of those stimuli. And if I could kind of like notice that first sign that the overwhelm was coming on and take myself out and do one thing to take care of myself, then I could, um, potentially avoid like the giant headache or, aphasia, you know, the things that would come on later really strong if I missed those early warning signs. Mm-hmm. You know, and you said something to the effect of, you know, you would go to the doctor expecting them to give you, here's what to do, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's the expectation we all have in the beginning. I know that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. It was like, why is why is no one doing anything? Um, <laughs> and I feel like that's a really common um, uh, belief um, that, you know, we're new to this. So we go to the doctor and we expect them to tell us what to do. And the reality is they just, they don't really know what to do with us. Right. And yeah, it, it kind of becomes our own task to fix ourselves, which is frustrating. Um, but that, that's kind of what it ends up boiling down to. Um, so tell us a little bit about how, what your programs offer. Um, you do a lot of mindfulness and movement with your clients. Um, so tell us a little bit about what all that looks like. Yeah, so, you know, in my, um, in my recovery from TBI, a lot of days um, I, I couldn't, I was very much like a mover before this accident. Um, after my TBI, my vision issues were so poor that I, you know, I fell a few times. Like, I had a lot of issues with movement. You know, I was dizzy, nauseous, head pain, all of these mm-hmm. things. So I found myself where I used to manage stress by going for a run or lifting weights. Um, you know, I found myself on the couch or lying down, um, unable to get up and move and do something with my body. And so I knew I had to transform how I thought of movement. You know, if I couldn't suddenly, you know, go do squats or something to kind of clear my head, I knew that I needed something that I could do anytime and anywhere. And so that's when I first started um, with meditation and with, you know, mindfulness work and breath work. Um, I tried all of these things before and been really, really, really terrible at them. Um, <laughs> my, uh, I, I, before my TBI, I didn't like to do things that I wasn't good at. So, you know, I'd, I'd go to, like a meditation and like, why is my brain continuing to think about my to-do list? Like, I'm so bad at this. I'm just going to quit. But after my TBI, I learned like essentially how to fail at things miserably. Um, (laughs) And the key was to just keep trying it. And that's 
what's really informed like how I help people now um, is, you know, our brains are amazing. And when, you know, we're used to functioning in society, um, you know, we, I think we go through about is it 80,000 decisions a day that our brains automatically make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy. we can't, we can't expect our brains to suddenly slow down when we need them to, and to suddenly stop and clear our thoughts. Like, you know, meditation teachers love to say, like our brains don't naturally do that out of self-preservation. So what I try to help people with now is, you know, busy people who have a lot on their plates or, you know, people after TBI who are trying to navigate this new, new brain, new normal, um, all of the expectations that their families, their friends have for them. And um, I like to do that with like mindful minutes. So not asking people to find an hour to do yoga or 20 minutes to sit and yeah. meditate, but just like a simple mindfulness exercise that someone can do anywhere, like without equipment, without, you know, um, another place to drive to or catch an Uber to, or, um, you know, needing to find like this specific thing on YouTube. Um, because that's what helped me. Like that's what helped me in the beginning when I, you know, I mentioned how, you know, in order to like avert a, a symptom flare, I needed to recognize what was happening in my brain. Mm-hmm. And then I could go outside and take a couple deep breaths and ground myself. It's like when I reference that, like that's a mindful minute. That's noticing that I'm starting to get overwhelmed and going somewhere where I could just breathe or I could step outside and I could look at the blue sky and come back to this present moment and allow all of that, those um, senses that were getting overwhelmed, allow them to come back into the present moment. And that's what mindfulness is. It's just noticing life as it unfolds around us. Um, After my brain injury, it's really common with TBI to develop anxiety, depression, PTSD. Um, I dealt with all of those. And those were also like new experiences for me. So like those, um, those simple tools of being able to anchor like in a panic attack, being able to just look at my feet on the ground and put all of my attention into my feet. Like that was a tool that would help me. It would help my, my anxiety to start to subside. I'd be able to come back to my breath. Um, you know, I'd be able to start to use those coping tools that I learned in therapy to remind myself like, okay, I'm here. I'm okay. Um, it just really helped because um, I noticed that when I would get overwhelmed, all of my brain symptoms would come out. My jaw tremor, mm-hmm. my vision problems, my unsteadiness, like all of those things would just go nuts. And so that act of like starting to slowly come back into the present moment and out of my head um, was just so valuable to me. And that's why, you know, now I that's what I teach. That's what I do is help other people um, develop a practice for themselves. And so tell us 
about you have a texting service um, where you will send a daily mindful minute. So tell us a little bit about that and how somebody can sign up for that. Yeah, so I wanted to make mindfulness really accessible for people. So um, having a brain injury is extremely expensive. Um, here in the U.S., yep. our healthcare is um, wacko. Other places I found, you know, from from friends that I've met, you know, online around the world, you know, their healthcare systems have issues too. So. I know that having a brain injury is very expensive. So I wanted to do something that anyone could do at any time. And I thought, you know, pretty much everyone has a phone. So a text message service um, really allows me to just pop into someone's life, um, you know, once a day and just remind them to, you know, my messages are as simple as hello, let's take a deep breath together um, to something, you know, a little bit maybe more complex, like, you know, name five things in your space that you see four things that you feel touching your body, you know, using each of the five senses to help someone um, take a pause in their busy lives and, and come back to right now. And then to sign up, all people need to do, um, it's available in the U S and Canada right now is text mindful to my phone number, which is 480-531-9810. And then there will be um, an auto text back that will ask them to add themselves to my contacts. And then once they've done that, then I'm able to, um, they're just added to the list and I send out um, a, a short prompt every single day. Awesome. That's easy. Um, why don't you repeat that number for anyone that might not have caught it? And it'll also, just yeah. for anyone listening, it'll also be in the show notes. So you can check there for it as well. But I'll have you repeat it one more time, Mallory. Perfect. Thank you. Um, yes, it's 480-531-9810. And you'll just text the word mindful to that number and then follow uh, the prompts of how to add your contact. Wonderful. And then if anyone wants to find you online, your website is bfoxyfit.com. And again, that's also in the show notes. So anyone listening um, can go to the show notes and just click through to your website and find the phone number to text for the mindful minute. Um, so we're just about out of time, Mallory, and I would love to wrap up by asking you your parting thoughts for our listeners, your final words of wisdom for anyone listening who is just still struggling. Mm. You know, I would just say for whoever needs to hear this, um, that you are doing a great job with a really challenging circumstance and yeah. don't give up. We need you keep at it. Keep showing up, keep connecting with others who get it. Um, the connections that I've made have been what have gotten me through this. Um, it's not been about finding the perfect therapist, finding the perfect doctor, finding the perfect treatment. It's truly just been about um, showing up, allowing myself to be seen and, um, 
and being connected to a community. Love that. Yeah. Keep showing Mm -hmm. up. Well, Mallory, thank you so very much for being here today. It has been a pleasure chatting with you. I could talk with you all day. Um, But thank you so much for taking the time to be here and sharing with our listeners today. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. Um, Thank you for the work that you do. It's so important. And um, everyone, keep keep showing up. Thank you. Thank you, Mallory. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just another reminder, you can find Mallory's contact info in the show notes. So be sure to click through to check those out. And just a reminder, you can find any previous podcasts on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes, or you can find them directly at facesoftbi.com. And you can also help support the podcast through my Patreon at patreon.com slash Amy Zalmer. And also you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And be sure to join me in Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you in the next episode.